What's up, podcast listeners? It's your boy, Matt Baxter, on another amazing, fantastic, special, awesome episode of the Matt Baxter Show. I'm hanging out with Lucia Rios, and Lucia is just a very, very, very special human. Uh, she talks about um, a lot of her background uh, being born with uh, a disability and being wheelchair-bound, um, and she talks about how, obviously, some of the shortcomings and struggles uh that life presents when you're wheelchair bound and uh, what, what that looks like. But more importantly, um, she tells an amazing, beautiful, honest story about how she has chosen uh, to, to make her life's mission about obviously impacting those with disabilities and making the world more accessible. But also she's just chosen to be an amazing, special human being. And so I, Obviously, I, I've got a lot of love. She lives in and spent a lot of time in Holland, Michigan, where I have also lived. And so we have that connection. But just the impact that she's having and just the person that she is is amazing. And I'm so excited to, to obviously have gotten to know her more and given her opportunity to share her story. And for those of you who either know somebody who's impacted by disabilities or um, is you know somebody, whatever that looks like, I would highly encourage you to reach out to her because she has a lot to offer and it's just a very special human being. So Lucia, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. You're a special person and I hope everybody uh, gets a lot out of this episode just like I did. Lucia, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I'm excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited too. So You have been a wonderful, very patient person for dealing with some scheduling chaos, and we finally made it here, and I'm very excited. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. So I'm very flexible. So I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's fine. It works out. So so Lucia, give me, give me your background. Tell me your story. I want to hear more about you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am... Um, I am born and raised in West Michigan, Holland. And so I um, went away for a little bit, went to Western Michigan University to college. <laughs> so I never thought I'd actually come back to West or to Holland. Um, you know, growing up, I really didn't appreciate, I think, my community as much. And so, um, but it was leaving and going um, to college that really um, made me appreciate where I came from. So I guess a little, little bit more about me. Um, you know, I was raised by my mom and stepdad. Um, have two older siblings, you know, brother. Um, I'm Mexican-American, but I don't speak Spanish that well. So um, I get teased a lot about that. But, you know, my parents, um, my mom, first generation uh, to in the United States. And so, um, you know, English, you know, she was her second language, but... Um, I was also raised by my stepdad, who is white and does not speak Spanish. So um, English was all we, you know, we talked in the home. So, um, but um, I also kind of, um, my my story is a little unique as in that I um, was born with a condition called spina bifida. And so um, at one point, my spinal cord was open um, while I was in the womb. And so, um, you know, that's obviously not a good thing. And so um, I... Um, have I'm not paralyzed, but I do. I am not um, able to walk without the assistance of a wheelchair or crutches. So, um, but honestly, and I'm the only one in my family that has a physical condition like that. And so, um, but I was raised like to just kind of do whatever, you know, just to go with the flow. I mean, I wasn't never really, you know, disability was not anything seen as a bad thing, but it was more of well, you have some special circumstances, but how are we going to still go on and maybe work around it versus um, 
putting any limitations on me. So I think that was actually the best thing that my family could do for me. And so um, now I use a wheelchair full time. It's just more comfortable for me and uh, I have more confidence. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to leave um, Holland is because, you know, I was, you know, I, I didn't really do much uh, outside of my community as far as, you know, with school, all that stuff. But I wanted to get out there and really um, meet new people and also experience life without having, you know, everything catered to me. And so I was a little bit pampered. And so it was actually when I went to Western Michigan University that it was a big reality check for me as far as having a disability. And that's actually where I saw myself as having a disability and some of those limitations that people placed on me just because of um, what I looked like and what I was, what I, what the condition I had. So that was a very big uh, reality check for me because, um, you know, I'd grown up in the area, so everyone knew me and, you know, there weren't limitations. It was more things were given, you know, were set up for me so that way I could succeed. So it was in college where I actually really had to um, learn how to navigate life as, as with a disability. And so that included um, getting to my classrooms, which I found out a lot about access, accessibility. Um, it was an older campus, so things were not always set up in a good situation. So I remember my first class that I went to was on the second floor and I couldn't get to it because the elevator was broken. And so for me, I couldn't just walk up the stairs, you know, it would have been very difficult. So, so that was kind of the first like barrier, physical barrier. And so, but luckily, you know, um, you know, I was able to get that class, you know, in a different level, but, you know, it was also, um, doing a lot of, um, for me, because obviously not everything, you know, every class could get on the level that I needed it, you know, so it was also looking at other ways to enter buildings and to be able to participate. So it took a lot of just brainstorming and problem solving. And, um, so that was kind of, you know, that's, that's, that those are my first encounters. And so also meeting people who saw me differently and who thought, you know, I couldn't do something or had certain impressions about me just because of what I was born with. So, um, you know, it was a lot of just self-discovery for me, but also finding, you know, my voice in a lot of ways. And so um, I was a journalism major. And so um, I started to um, also meet other people with disabilities. I really never had that before. Um, growing up, you know, even though I was like in special ed, I was mainstreamed. So I had all regular classes with every of my peers. And I kind of didn't necessarily, like I said, see myself as having a disability because everything was set up for me. So, um, and so I actually started meeting people with disabilities, with different types of disabilities. People are deaf, people who are blind, people with physical, other physical disabilities. And so that was like really exciting because these people were also going to school and wanting careers and, and all that. So, um, but I noticed that we all had different access needs as well. So in one instance, I had a good friend who I'm still good friends with to this day, um, where she had uh, rheumatoid arthritis and she used a motorized wheelchair. And it was very difficult for her, like if one of the buttons weren't working or if certain things were not accessible for her to do it by herself. So um, what really frustrated me was, um, let's say a button wasn't working and she couldn't just go and open the door herself. Um, I could do that because I had the strength to do that, but 
because of that button not working. She had to wait outside, rain, shine, snow, whatever, for someone to open that door. And that really frustrated me. I was very annoyed by that because I thought that shouldn't happen. That's my friend. And what a, how just embarrassing that would be, you know? So I started really advocating um, in my journalism classes and writing about um, experiences of people with disabilities. And so, um, and also looking at access, you know, in Kalamazoo. And so it was really fun because I was able to share those articles with teachers and with other students. And so they'd say like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. What can I do? So I would give them the number to the office where they could call and like make like recommendations, you know, or complaints, I guess, about things that they saw that were not accessible. So I didn't realize at the time, but I was really building allies. And so, um, and it wasn't just what I needed, but it was for others as well. And so um, I I thought that's one way to, 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 to get my voice out there. I also joined um, a, um, the student government and I was on the facilities um, committee because I thought, you know, I wanted to do more action about it. I don't, I'm not one of those just to complain about it and say it needs to be fixed, but I thought people need to realize that I think, um, you know, my attitude about it is that I don't think people are necessarily trying to um, discriminate or to not want people in their buildings. I think that sometimes you just don't realize it. So that's kind of how I've, I guess, how I always look at it. And so uh, when I came back to home from school, um, I actually was needed to get my license and some other things. So I wasn't planning on staying, but I ended up connecting with a local um, Center for Independent Living, which is now, it's called Disability Network Lakeshore in Holland, which serves Ottawa and Allegan counties. And they had some some positions opened and the executive director had reached out to me and said, hey, she had read an article about me and some of those, in a, in a newspaper article about me about kind of overcoming the odds and being an ad advocate on campus and so she's like hey would you be interested in talking and you know maybe seeing you know if you know you interested in a position of some sort so I was like well why not you know I was kind of I had things to do but I'm like why not I could you know check it out and so I didn't realize at the time that there was an organization that did things to help eliminate barriers for people with disabilities in the local level you know as far as um the positions I was looking at were accessibility, physical and programmatic access, because I had more experience with that. But also, you know, in my research I'd done in college, finding out that there are laws um, to help and there are technical requirements to help make things accessible. So um, I ended up doing, well, I didn't think I'd stay there forever, but I ended up there for 15 years um, as an accessibility specialist. And I... Um, you know, just really, I guess, blossomed as an advocate in our community and also just, um, yeah, as a person. And so I still was able to do some journalism too. So I did work for a little while for the Grand Rapids Press and then as a news aide and then so getting kind of like some experience. And then I just started freelancing for them, the Grand Rapids Press as well. And so I was still able to kind of have the best of both worlds. And so, um, so there, like I said, 15 years there, and I I did a lot of things. I, um, you know, helped, um, you know, uh, um, local businesses. I helped um, government, sole entities, you know, help them to create plans on how they can remove barriers and become accessible. Um, 
I also did, you know, um, you know, I would, I would go in to businesses also and do some education about disability. You know, a lot of times people are scared of what they don't know and just having conversations about, you know, disability and how to interact. And, you know, I always thought it was funny because I'm like, it's just like how to be a good human being type of training, you know, but, um, so I did a lot of that. I did a lot with our youth in the community, helping youth, um, get and keep jobs, looking at career, all that type of stuff. And so, um, it was fun. It was a lot of work. Um, but I got tired of living, breathing, working disability. Um, you know, it's kind of, it was a lot of vulnerability on my end too. Um, so I would share my story, but also, you know, I would hear a lot of people, what people thought, you know, um, you know, which is not, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but in order to train someone, you, or like have someone understand experiences, you have to hear sort of what they think. So, um, you know, I would even go out into the community since I, I mean, was involved and people would run into me and ask me like, you know, things about work and, you know, I mean, so it felt like I was always on, on. And so, and then I also just wanted to see like what types of work I could do. I mean, I did the writing thing. I did the disability thing, but I kind of was losing my identity as like Lucia versus I'm the person with the disability and advocate, all that. So I ended up leaving, um, Disability Network, the nonprofit after 15 years, which was very difficult um, because, I mean, I had a really great job. I had a great, you know, great coworkers. I had, it was comfortable, but I knew I needed to challenge myself too. And I needed to kind of step back from being that person front and center. So I actually took a job as a resource navigator at the source Grand Rapids. And so it is a nonprofit, but it's employer-based. So employers pay for um, resource navigation. So they have their employees that they want to keep their employees, obviously, but they understand that life happens outside of work. And sometimes if things are not going well in your life outside, it's hard for you to focus on work. So I actually was stationed at Herman Miller, which is in Zealand, here in in Holland, or now Miller Knoll. Um, And so I was their resource navigator. So I was on site. I was the jack of all trades. So they could come to me, employees could come to me with any type of um, barrier that they had. So it could be housing. So maybe they were losing their home. It could be maybe they were looking for a therapist. It could be they wanted to find out some more what benefits are within the company and I could lead them to that. I mean, it was, you know, people looking for daycare. So um, you know, while they were working, you know, maybe they were third shift, I could make those calls, you know, during the day and find someone um, that was accepting children, you know. So those are the types of things that I did. I helped people with paperwork, um, just, you know, just a lot, even with how to connect with their their um, team leaders. So um, it really, I did that for almost two years. And it was really, well, two years, but it was really good because I, um, it was still helping people remove barriers, all people, not just people with disabilities, but it also was looking at, you know, it also made me really, um, realize, um, and understand just people in general and resilience and, um, to be able to help someone remove barriers and then still, still keep their employment 
and then see them succeeding was awesome, you know, and that I could help, you know, work with alongside them um, as well. And so um, I did that and I, I, I loved it, although it was it's very draining too, but, you know, but I did enjoy it. And then um, I loved the company too. The company was great. But then the pandemic happened. And so that obviously for everyone shifted everything. And so I ended up, um, well, we all worked from home. And so um, it was during that time, though, that I really looked at, okay, I have here to use. What is next? And so I just started looking around. Um, not really. I just wanted to explore. You know, one of the things I promised myself is that I wouldn't stay in a role just because I was comfortable for longer, you know, than like a couple years. <laughs> um, so I ended up, though, honestly, finding um, I just I. There's a website that I had heard about um, called Inclusively, and it was actually geared toward people with disabilities who are professionals. And so that's also the thing that I had struggled with, too, is that, you know, I don't want to be seen as just a disability person. I'm a professional as well and in the working world and, you know, all of that. So um, I put my resume up there on the site. They looked at accommodations as enablers. So actually employers put job opportunities up there. And one of the postings was um, a job at Salesforce within the Office of Accessibility. Um, now, Salesforce is, you know, one a big customer relationship management software company. <laughs> um, and so I, um, a recruiter reached out to me and said, hey, we have this position open. You have some of the skills that we're looking for. Would you apply? And it was as a workforce navigators program associate within the Office of Accessibility. So it was helping individuals um, get trained on the platform, but also um, looking at establishing a mentoring program and other career services. So I was like, okay, I'll apply, you know, but thinking I'm from Holland, Michigan, you know, this is a global company and, you know, I don't know. So I ended up having interviews and I, seven interviews later, <laughs> I was offered the position. Um, it's a remote position with a remote team. And so um, now there's about, uh, like, um, I want to say, like, over 15 people on our team. And everyone's remote. So that was kind of interesting. And the office had just been newly established, like, the past, that year. So, um, so, yeah, I actually called it my dream job um, because it was working. Um, it was, you know, at a bigger level, but it was helping individuals with disabilities train up for careers and then helping them, um, you know, with everything, resumes, cover letters, interviewing, you know, all of that. So it was up my alley because I'd done a lot of that at um, the nonprofit. And so, but also it was like helping individuals um, recognize that they had skills and abilities and also looking for those professional jobs. So um, I've been there now one year and four months, and I, um, you know, in the past year launched a mentoring program, a pilot mentoring program with the Blind Institute of Technology out of Colorado. It's a, a virtual mentoring program. Um, also, um, I handle our volunteer experiences. So um, people within the company, volunteering is obviously a big thing, um, will um, volunteer for a mentoring program, but also um, volunteer to be guest speakers 
uh, with the Blind Institute of Technology. Um, I've also created a guest speaker series where people can come and and, and talk about different um, ways to build skills and, and all of that. So um, it's pretty exciting, um, you know, to be part of an office like this because, you know, not, I mean, there's big companies that are seeing the value that people with disabilities have and also wanting to, to hire and retain people with disabilities. I mean, disability is so broad. And so to be part of a an organization, a company that has an office, established an office, to do that, plus a lot of other things, you know, mine's just like one part of this office. So that's pretty exciting. So that's where I'm at now. Um, the, the bright spot is I still can connect to my community. So I still volunteer in the community. I'm part of the Community Foundation of the Hound Zealand area, um, Women of Color Give group that I helped co-found. Um, so I love it because I kind of get to still be in my community, work from home, which is is awesome, um, but also still be part of that disability world in a different way, you know. And so I, I mean, I never thought I would, I would be, you know, working in this field. I never thought that I would actually you know, like that my disability was something that motivated, um, motivated me, you know. Lucia, you have a, uh, you have an absolutely amazing story. And first off, I just want to say that, like, I'm proud to know you because, um, uh, <laughs> I mean, one of the first things that you said was, um, you know, when you went to college, the difference of going to a classroom where, um, you can't even, uh, you couldn't even get to a class. Like I cannot, even begin to empathize with the feeling of what that was like and what you went through and the fact that um, you didn't take that as a discouragement. You actually took that as an encouragement to help other people feel in the same way. And so, I mean, I, 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 I can't even articulate how amazing of a person you are for doing that. Um, and certainly, I you know, want to make sure that your words are shared too. One thing I can, very, very, very different, and I want to make sure that I don't even uh, express that this is the same thing as having, you know, a disability, but having everybody know you as one thing kind of gets exhausting. And so yes. I, you know, I, I own, I own a business and, uh, 98% of conversations I have, people are asking about the business, which is great and exciting, but yep. you mentioned the word exhausting. And so I, I can, I can, again, it's nothing in comparison to some of the things that you've been through in some of those conversations, but it is, and it's, it's tough when your identity is wrapped up in that, but that's not oh, yeah. who you are. It's, it's, it's one part of you, one part of your story, but it's not who you are. So yep. just thank you for all the strength that you've had in all this. Yeah. So you, I mean, but you do, yeah, like your identity, right? I mean, you as, you know, Matt, you know, I mean, yeah. Cause like, do you go, I mean, cause no, I can definitely, I mean, you that identity of like living, breathing, working. And sometimes you just want to like ignore me for a little bit, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I thought about this while you were talking. One of my, so I did a immersion trip at Hope and we went to Jamaica and we worked at a deaf village in Mandela Bay. Oh, and awesome. one, of, one of my favorite life memories was, so some of the guys that I worked with were anywhere between like, I don't know, 18 and 25. So like right around our age and mm -hmm. 
um, you know, when you first get there, it's you're just kind of getting to know each other and, and, you know, starting to learn sign language and communicating back and forth. And I didn't know a bunch of signs. So they would give you a right, a whiteboard. I'd write out the words and they would sign it back. And it, it, it was great. We started a bond and started mm-hmm. to build a friendship. But one of my like favorite, favorite life memories is sitting next to a couple of these guys. Um, and we started smack talking, but smack talking in sign language. And we were just <laughs> jawing at each other and just laughing hysterically all crying and it just it just was like one of those that like i don't know once you sort of get to the heart of people it doesn't really matter disability or not like we're people and so i Mm -hmm. anyways one of your stories reminded me of that and i just wanted to share it yeah no that's true though i mean you know i've you know since my been working at the office of accessibility i've gotten to know more people who are deaf too but also um you know people who who are blind as well you know and and it's true. Like once you can get past some of that, like it's all about communication. So let's, how do we communicate together? You know, yep. and it's not yep. like, I love how you said that you used the whiteboard and then translated it and everything like that. And, but yeah, but like, I think that's the thing. We're all people first, yep. you know, that's and then right. we have all this other, this, these other layers to us. So let me ask you, like, this is a practical question. So, and I'm just yeah. going to ask it direct. And if it's offensive, please tell me, but I hope it's not. I, so, um, one of the things I've always been back and forth with is like, if I see somebody in a wheelchair, let's say at like a supermarket, um, mm-hmm. and part of me wants to go up and offer to help, but also part of me is I don't want to offend them or I also don't want to assume that they need my help. And so yep. this is more of a broad question to like the outside world for somebody mm-hmm. who is, you know, wanting to have a conversation or uh, come alongside somebody with a disability, but also treat them like a normal person. Like when I walk into the grocery store, other than maybe the greeter, nobody asked if I need any help. Right. And so, you know, I I don't want to necessarily assume that that's the way people want to be treated either. And so do you have any like recommendation advice or thoughts around that? Yeah, definitely. And that's like one, a big question that always comes up and, you know, it's, you know, that's true. You know, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I could just be sitting somewhere and people ask if I need help, you know, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, I'm just sitting here, you know, but, but honestly, that's a great question because, um, you know, I just, I ask people, okay, so, you know, the door is a big one, you know, should I help someone open a door who has a disability? I'm like, well, would you open, would you ask someone without a disability if they need help opening the door? Well, yeah. I'm like, well then go ahead and ask, you know, if that's fine. Exactly. If, you know, yep. so I think like, if that's, if you want to be helpful, yeah, say, Hey, do you need a hand or, Hey, can I help you out? Or do you need anything? You know, that's perfectly fine. I think that, um, when you're insistent and you push like, Oh, let me help you. And like, start like, you know, like grabbing onto things. That's when it gets a little bit, that's when it gets offensive. And that's when it gets like, no. So I've had in my life where people and well-meaning people, you know, I try, I think people just can be well-meaning, you know? And so, you know, I've had where people will come up and they'll see me getting in on my car and I put together my wheelchair by myself. So I take it out, put it together. I have a system. And so if people ask if I need help, I'm like, no, I got it. I'm good. But then it's when people will come up to me and insist like, oh, I need, I can help you. Let me help you and start grabbing on. It's when I'm like, no, I got it because I have yeah. a system. In and fact, like, in fact, you're actually yeah. messing, messing with the mojo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, and this is, but I think, because I've also asked people if they need help too. You know, I've opened the door for people, but the thing is, and I, okay. So when I need help, there's no one around. (laughs) So the big one is 
when it's raining outside, okay? When it's raining, I it's hard for me to carry an umbrella. And everyone just runs past, okay? I could I could be dripping wet and no one stops to ask if they mm. can put the, you know, the um you know, an umbrella over your head, you know? And so I just find that funny because that's like an instance where you would think where you see someone without an umbrella trying to get in the door and they're soaking wet, you would like try to help them, you know? But <laughs> what that's the only time this has ever happened where someone actually did that. I was at Walgreens and it was raining really hard and I was like putting my wheelchair in the car and this little old lady comes over and holds her umbrella over my head. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. That was so helpful. I'm like, no one's ever done that for me, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, she saw like, oh, this person's putting a wheelchair in, you know, let me help her like by putting, you know, covering it up so she's not soaked. Um, you know, I think... <laughs> You know, if you're a nice person and you want to help, yeah, go ahead and ask. But I think don't push it on the person. Yeah. And if someone says, yes, I'd like your help. Like, let's say it's not opening a door, but let's say it's, um, you know, in a, in a, a like at a coffee shop or something. And you say, hey, can I help you with this? And they say, yes, I need help. Well, how can I help you? So don't assume that you know exactly how to help them. That makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate yeah. that a lot. Um, yeah. So, you know, this yeah, is kind of... asking, and I say this, Matt, like there are people with disabilities that are not nice and there are people without disabilities that are not nice. So just because someone had maybe a not so good interaction about helping someone with a disability doesn't mean that all people are like that. Too. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean to give up trying. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So I've got I've got a two part question because you, you alluded to that, like um, you got burnt out on everything in your life being about disability, both obviously with some of the work you were doing, but just people talking about it. So two part question. Part one is Lucia, what is your impact that you want to have on the um, disability community? And then secondly, what is the impact Lucia wants to have outside of, of the disability community and just you as a person? Yeah, no, I, I guess the impact, you know, I think, you know, already I've, I mean, I've been blessed that I've been able to really work in our community to help make it accessible. I mean, yeah. and so I think that impact is awesome, but not just because it's about what I go through, but other people go through. And I think I want to be seen as an advocate that is, um, it's not about me and my struggles, but it's about the struggle of the human experience of living with a disability. And this is how... Um, how it can be like any advocacy can impact all people. Yep. Uh, but even in the work that we've done in the community regarding access, I mean, um, you know, I, I think like think about the 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 Holland Holland um the post office, you know, there were a couple of years where I struggled with the post office people to get that button in place. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, you know, and it would seem simple. Like why wouldn't a post office have, you know, a button? Now it does, yep. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, think about even, um, you know, in City Hall, too, you know, and some of the, the measures that they've made for accessibility and, and even our parks and recreation for Ottawa County. And so when I, you know, am able to be in our community and say, like, oh, I helped make that possible, but like it's usable for everybody, you know. Um, so I guess I just want to, like I said, I think I want to be seen as someone that worked together with people to create access for everybody. Um and then as far as Lucia in general, to know me as, you know, a 
you know, that I am a strong worker. I'm a strong person. You know, I have many different skills. You know, I'm a writer. I'm a, you know, also an aunt of a big family. And I love my nieces and nephews. And, you know, I also, and then, like, I also help give back to the community in other ways that are not regarding disability, too. Hmm, so I guess I, I want to that. be seen in all the different areas, a whole whole person. So, hmm. um, you know, I think that's also something that I've learned along the way. I mean, I'm 42 years old now. And, um, you know, so for so long, I think in my, as of in college, in my career, as I wanted to prove myself, you know, that because there's so many people that didn't think I could do things because of, you know, the condition I was born with. And so, you know, it got to a point now where it's like, I don't have to prove myself. You know, know? it's like, why should I prove myself? I am capable and I know I've done this and I've, you know, experienced a lot of different things and and experienced a lot of goals, you know? And so, um, you know, I don't feel like I have to prove myself anymore, even, you know, at all. So I think, but that took me a while to come to that where it's like, it's okay. If people don't believe that I can do it, then that's their problem, not mine. I love that. Yeah. I think that's a, that's that's a life lesson uh, beyond just the disability conversation. But yeah, I, I that's that's a good word. Um, so, Lucia, my favorite question of the plan is: What gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets me out of bed in the morning? So, I am a people person. I love to connect with people. I love hearing other people's stories. I love, um, you know, I, I like I find value in what I do in the work that I do. I mean, so you know, each, um, you know, I get, so I, I think like when I get up and I see like some of the work that I can do that, that motivates me, you know? Um, and just like, I've always said, I've always, you know, I think I want to be, I want to, uh, there was a purpose for the reasons, the circumstances around, you know, what I was born with. And so I want to fulfill each day as like, there's a reason and, you know, not miss out on on what that might be, you know, um, and to give back. I mean, give back, you know, I mean, I think I've been so blessed um, by the community and who I grew up, like how I was really supported by my community growing up that I want, I mean, that makes me want to get up out of bed and be like, okay, here, here's this community that now I can help create, you know, I can help, I can give back to the community, help create more impact as well. So <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful for that. So I love that. I love that. Well, Lucia, seriously, I mean, even in this podcast, you've impacted me and caused me to <laughs> uh, certainly view the world differently, which is kind of the whole part of the podcast is <laughs> yeah. to hear about what people, you know, their purpose, their passion, their calling. And so I just want to say thank you both for, you know, the short 30 minutes we were on this, but also the broader impact that you have. And, uh, you know, I've read a couple articles of, you know, some of the work that you're doing and I just, it's, it's, it's really good stuff. So for, for people that want to learn more about you, get to know you, reach out to you, what's the best way for them either to reach out or follow along um, with some of the yeah, work that's going on? You know, I, I do, um, let's see, LinkedIn's a good way, cool. you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, lucky Lucia on Instagram. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and um, LinkedIn, but also I do some, um, I do want, occasionally I will write, an article for the Lakeshore West Michigan. Cool. So um, I do focus on some of the disability issues that come up, but yeah, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, like I said, Instagram is lucky Lucia. And so, um, yeah. And, and I, yeah, 
I love it. Well, Lucia, seriously, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's been easy to talk to you, so I appreciate it. So, <laughs> You got it. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. <laughs>